Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, you're in for a real treat. We have Tiffany Mitchell. She is the founder of Utility Ranger, and it is a tenant utility billing software company, not just for every type of size portfolio, but really the small uh, owners of buildings. And what, what I love about today's episode that we get into is we we talk about not only the importance of why to reduce our expenses and actually uh, push those expenses or, or, or really enroll our, our tenants in taking those on, but more importantly, we talk a lot about the power of reducing utilities to actually increase your net operating income and the value of your property. We get into that very specifically together. Tiffany is a wealth of knowledge, and I think you're going to get so much from today's episode. Before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz and welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. I'm so excited to have Tiffany Mitchell on our show today. Tiffany, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and I'm I'm missing my partner in crime, Andressa. <laughs> uh, I know all of you are like, hold on, there's two of you. Yes, there are, but uh, we, you know, miss, missing my partner in crime. But I will I will be here. I'm so excited to you know interview you, Tiffany. And I really want to um, I want to jump in because this is going to be really exciting to talk about how women, especially multifamily investors, can reduce expenses. And I know that's a big, big topic. It's an important topic for us investors, whether we're growing our portfolio, we have a lot of units, or we have like a bunch of small multis that we're really, you know, trying to just optimize. So, so excited to have you here today. And Tiffany and her company is one of our sponsors. So really appreciate your support for InvestorCon and supporting the women in our community. So let's start here. And then we're going to get into lots of fun specifics around reduction of expenses and all the important things we, we need as investors. What lesson, Tiffany, has taken you the longest to learn in your path? I think that the largest lesson that I've learned along the way is to trust yourself, trust your instincts. There's so many instances where I didn't trust my instincts and it didn't turn out the way that I wanted. But when I finally listened to myself, listened to what that kind of gut feeling inside you tells you, this is what you should be doing, I've had enormous success just from listening to myself and trusting myself and putting faith in myself and investing in myself. 
Yeah. And that's such an important, it's an important lesson that we often forget, right? So I, I love that. And, and when we do trust ourselves, we get that nudge, right? We get that kind of feeling, you know, to, to, to go with it. And I know you've had a really interesting path and journey, uh, you know, before, before, you know, really jumping into, you know, what you're doing today and really helping, uh, folks reduce their, you know, utilities on, on their, on their multis and everything. And you are, uh, you had a, you had a hair salon, right? You, you owned a hair salon. So tell us a little bit about the path from hair salon to, to now, you know, helping uh, multifamily investors because it's an interesting one. So t- tell us a little about your journey and how you got to where you got to today. Yeah. Um, so I became a hairstylist straight out of high school. My parents couldn't really afford to send me to college and I knew I needed a better job than going into, you know, waitressing or anything else like that. I wanted to pay my way through college. So um, I became a hairstylist, was really great at it, had a salon with about 20 women in it in San Diego. And uh, after I got married with my husband, he uh, and I'd finished my undergrad at the time, he said, why don't you go back to grad school? And I had really, really enjoyed my undergrad program. I think going to school a little bit later, I probably wasn't mature enough, younger to go back and but owning a salon, it was almost like having your own Petri dish to test with, right? So I got to learn a lot about leadership, learned I needed to learn a lot more about leadership. Managing a business came intuitively for me, but managing people did not. And so I had to learn quite a bit about how to manage people, how to get your team to want to work with you and want to help you succeed and kind of create your ultimate vision. So um, I, it was right around the 2008 crash. It was right beforehand, actually. I, at the time, Craigslist was still big. I think I put my salon on Craigslist and had three cash fires a week. Wow. So I was really excited. I sold it for twice what I paid for it, and mm-hmm. I went back to grad school. And while I was in grad school, I was helping my husband with his multifamily properties. Got into it quite a bit and realized multifamily operations was not for me. And I had to deal with bed bugs and, you know, crazy onsite managers and, and yeah. expenses. I mean, it was challenging. I said, you know, I want to work with owners of multifamily more so than working with the tenants. And I think my husband and I are both kind of alphas. And so working with your husband full time, I was like, I need to do something else. I just had my first baby. He's yeah. like, you don't have to work if you don't want to. And I said, oh my gosh, I can't stay home. This is way too hard. <laughs> I need to get out of the house. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what's funny is we, in our multifamily portfolio at the time of this kind of transition, um, we, and we were in San Diego and our portfolio is in San Diego. Our utility expenses were so high and I couldn't get a single, we knew about rubs or ratio utility billing, but we couldn't get a single company to help us. So we would go to each of these companies saying, okay, help us do this rub system. And all the companies said, well, you only have a hundred units, so you're really not big enough for us to help you. And that really struck a chord with me of like, what do you mean we're not big enough for you? That's ridiculous. My husband, his family had 3000 units at the time. So we would like dangle the carrot of like, well, if you take us on, maybe you'll get his <laughs> unit right around. Right but it was really frustrating. And so I think that kind of was what spurred me into PropTech is saying, okay, these people aren't going to help me. What is going on? Let me understand the business a lot more. 
So that was kind of the pivotal point where I said, okay, do I want to go into prop tech? My husband said, well, maybe if you work for them, you know, they'll take us on as default. And so that's what I did. I got a job for them. I got a job for a utility billing company and learned everything there was to know about it and learned why they wouldn't take us on, which was it's a super manual process. And it's like, you're going to help somebody with, you know, 5,000 units or the person with 100 units. It's just not feasible for kind of a, a manual operation. Why is it so, let's talk about that for a moment. Why is it so manual from the utility, you know, billing side? Yeah. What, what, well, why? they're service companies. So they license their software most of the time. And if you're an owner, you have to like gather all your utility bills, send them to them each month. They send back to you your pre-bills. And then you're like, oh, whoa, all these pre-bills are high. I must have had a right. leak my property, change this, send it back to them. They actually had somebody like in the chair making modifications on your bill and you go back and forth and back and forth. And it's just a huge pain in the butt. And they can't do that with a small portfolio. They need to do that on a larger scale to make it scalable for them. Sure. They're growing. And so, you know, as a small guy, you're really at a disadvantage. You really can't grow as fast as the big guys have been because you don't have access to the same technology. And so that's, it's definitely frustrating how to grow quickly and how to get the same access that everyone else has. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so tell me a little bit about what did you apply? So you have these hundred units, you have a portfolio. Uh, and quite honestly, if you have five to 10 to 15 to 20 units, right? There's always a cost savings in reducing your your utilities. Savings. It, it's enormous, right? So when you're working for this company, did you use any sort of strategies on your own portfolio that you were learning or could you apply anything even though they wouldn't take you as a customer? <laughs> Did you just kind of self do that, you know, from a self kind of uh, focused perspective and taking some of the learned lessons? Because that's a big one for for the women listening. You know, they really aren't the they don't have 3000 units. Most of the women in our community and in our in our listeners. Right. You know, a lot of them have, you know, uh, a small number of small multis. They have small multis, et cetera, et cetera. So Tell me a little bit about what you did early on when you were, you know, really learning the ropes in the one business that you applied to your business that yeah. listening can also apply. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what really rang the bell for us was they, of course, had to take us on as clients, you know. Eventually, uh, okay. Got eventually, us. when we uh, got started. So when we started, we have one property, uh, one of our properties is 36 units in San Diego. And I first applied it on that property. And when we started, it was rub. So we took the water bills, yep. we separated them out, you know, through their rub system to each of the residents. That right. year, when we got the revenue back, we got 36000 of additional revenue for that one property. So now $1,000 per unit per year. Mm. So when we went to go get that property refinanced the following year, Freddie Mac gave us a million dollar increase in valuation on the one property, wow. which then gave us a $500,000 cash out. And so we took that 500000 and bought another property. And we were like, oh my God, we just got free $500,000 to buy another property. Like, what does this look like across our portfolio? You know, even my family's portfolio, they weren't doing it at the time. And they started seeing the money that we were increasing our portfolio size. We're like, oh my gosh, not only do these small investors like ourselves, right, totally at a disadvantage, but you can't even grow your portfolio. Like the big guys have been doing this for years and there's all these people who will help them. 
if you're not going to help me grow now, I can't even get to your size. It's yeah. Be 10 times as long. Like, why can't I have that same advantage as the big guys? So what's funny is my sister has about a dozen units and she said, hey, I see what you're doing. Like, let me come in to the company, too. And I was like, I can't bring you in as a client. You have 12 yeah. units. We have thousand unit minimums and I get it, but I would want to help you. So I created like a little rubs calculator on Excel, okay. gave it to her and her husband, and they started billing their residents the same way that I was. And I said, if I can do this for my sister, why can't I do this for other people? So I, tell me about that process. So you, you build out almost like a calculator. As a multifamily owner, wh what are the utilities that are going to cost me the most? And, and, and how do I even, what are the initial steps for, for me to even evaluate the per current properties that I have, right? So what are, what are some of those initial steps that the women listening can say, hey, maybe I'm missing this expense because I, you know, what yeah. have you. Yeah. Um, the first thing that you should always do is check your lease language. Your lease language has a spot within it that says utilities. And a lot of people have, you know, water and trash and they just say included. Well, if you are in Southern California and a lot of other areas around the country, the water rates are going up astronomically. Some of them are like 70 to 80% increases in the last five years. Mm. On top of that is sewer. Now, you're not going to see as many properties with electric master metered because in the 70s, what they did is they put a big, you know, regulation that all new construction for multifamily units have to be directly connected to the electric company or to the meter. But you can't do that with water because of how water is distributed to the property. So you have one master pipe that comes to the property. And if you can submeter the property, that's like the best way of doing it. But it's a huge capital output. Yeah. And then you have maintenance on the meters, on the meter reading system. And what you're getting back from the residents is negligible, the difference between the two. So it's like, why put out such a big capital output? when you can get the same impact by doing rubs with no capital output. Mm. But water, sewer, trash, pest control, all these kind of resident-dependent utilities are things that you should be billing back. Think about what the airline industry did when there was compression on prices. They unbundled their service, right? They unbundled the luggage. You see this at resorts now. You have a resort fee. Everyone's unbundling because everyone becomes so price conscious. So how can you take this kind of price conscious market where it used to be, you know, oh, what amenities do you have? Now it's not so much amenity focus. Yes, the amenities are nice, but is what's the price, right? Like am I at market rate is a question that a lot of people ask. And now I'm charging $1,000 including utilities, right? And you're charging $1,000 not including utilities. My right. net rent is really like nine twenty, right? Because I've paid those utilities, and your net rent is like a thousand eighty. So the the spread between nine twenty and a thousand eighty, how do I compete in that market where you're getting so much more per unit than I am, yeah. right? So you're not really at market rate. So kind of getting over that. Well, I'm at market rate. Or a lot of people say, well, I'll just charge a flat rate, you know, I'll charge $40 for my one bedrooms and $65 for my two bedrooms. But in effect, you're just doing a rent increase, right? You're not really changing the behavior of your residents, which is really what you're trying to do. You want to modify the behavior of your residents. So meaning mm -hmm. if yeah. I give you a $60 bill, it's like going to a hotel, you know, oh, my shirt's wrinkly. 
I'm going to hang it up in the shower and shut the bathroom door. And I'm not going to think twice about, you know, smoothing my clothes out in the shower because it all comes with the cost of my hotel. But your residents think that way. Like I had a resident one time who was complaining once I started the billing program. She said, oh, the neighbor leaves her shower on all day. I had the property manager go in there. Her shower was on. She wasn't even home. And we like got a hold of her when she got home. She's well, my dog has anxiety. If I leave the shower on when I leave, he doesn't her. And you're like, oh my God, I'm putting the bill for this. Are you kidding? But if you get even a $20 bill or a $40 bill, I mean, that makes you think like, okay, I'm going to shut the faucet off while I'm brushing my teeth. I'm not going to do a load of dishes with two dishes in there or a load of laundry with one piece of clothing in there. It changes your behavior. And that's what you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to get conservation as kind of a mindset from your residents. And the only way to do that is to charge them. And whether you're charging them a small yeah. amount or a large amount, it's the bill that actually modifies their behavior. I like that. So, you know, what's that first step? I, I really like what you're saying. Obviously, women have to have a handle on what their expenses look like, right? No. What their what their utility expenses look like. That's number one. Number two, you know, obviously then to say, okay, what can I bill back to my tenants? Am I at market rate? To your point, are we are we at apples to apples? And so often, women inherit. You know, we inherit buildings, right? And so we we inherit the rent, we inherit the lease. So going through all of that, saying, you know, am I at market rent? How do I get to market rent? Yep. And how do I then be able to bill back my tenant uh, or resident, if you will? I'm curious in that. So as they're going through that process. What then is the communication or the enrollment to the to the existing residents? Because I'm sure, you know, people are like, hold on, hold on. I, w- I came here and I'm under a lease. Uh, is it, do they have to, and when the lease comes up again, obviously, like what's the strategy for? for yeah. You definitely charge anybody that doesn't have it in their lease. So you're going to gather all your leases, right? And you're going to look at the language that says utilities, you know, and you want to make sure that all the leases going forward are resident pays for all utilities. Now, with your existing leases, you obviously can't do that. You can't change their lease. You know, they're in there through the term of their lease. But you can give them and notice uh, it's a change of term of tenancy. Okay. So you give them a 30-day notice of a change of term of tenancy, which will basically say 30 days from this notice or the day after your lease expires, whichever comes first, these are the changes to your lease, right? So if they all bills paid before, you know, maybe, and you want to do that at one time. So let's say you have 10 units, you want to do a blanket notice to all 10 units because you don't want to have to go back every month to make who has an upcoming expired lease. And then you also want to send an introductory letter introducing the residents to the program saying, we're all going to do our part to conserve. We're going to be implementing a new program that's going to not only help us conserve, but hopefully make everyone responsible for their portion of uh, the water. And so you're going to give an intro letter with a conservation heavy message, along with a 30 day notice, blanket the whole property. And then as those come due, the day after the lease expires, that person becomes billable. So then they're going to have 30 days of billing, and then you're going to give them a bill the following month. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think the, I know when we, when we were property managing all of our, you know, all of our units, you know, we have a third party manager now for most of our our properties, but when we were self-managing, you know, I remember, and even even to date, I, I know that there the other folks are doing this. It's so important to give 
tenants, residents heads up and really like over communicate because yeah. especially when you're making a change in the in the bottom line, you know, mm-hmm. so I really like what you're saying, too, is when we're when we're communicating to, to residents and we're communicating changes, it's really important to know what to say and how to say it. What have you found to be any like, have you seen, you know, people are actually more appreciative about it? Obviously, they're paying for something that they weren't. So yes. or, or I would say are not not appreciative, but in terms of like conservation heavy messaging, uh, are people enrolled in that? I don't know what kind of do do people just end up saying, you know what, I'm done with this place. And then they going, I, I was like, what kind of feedback have you gotten from or seen from from residents in your experience when when you've made the shift with existing people who were not paying before? So I would say most everyone's fear is, well, all my residents are going to leave, right? And what do I do with all my residents? Correct. Correct. Uh, that's always the fear. But in actuality, that doesn't really happen because in today's market, almost everybody is billing except for this small subset of the market, this kind of long tail or people who have under a thousand units because there's not a lot of places that will actually help them do this, right? And so you have anyone who's a small owner, a lot of this market's not billing. But if you are a tenant and you go to any other community, most likely they're going to be billing already. So it's not like you're going to get away from it. And surprisingly, even my husband said, oh, what if we get a flurry of move outs? But what was funny is that instead of getting a flurry of move outs, we got a flurry of work orders because all those residents who were not telling us the toilet was leaking because they were hiding a cat or hiding uh, a resident, good point. That's really interesting. Not telling us that they had a leaky faucet. Correct. All of those maintenance requests saved about 10% on our bill alone before the conservation from the residents. We had about a 30% decrease in our bill after implementing the program. So you might have a resident leave, but that resident's not leaving just because you started a billing program. They're probably leaving for other good reasons. reasons, And maybe this was a straw that broke the camel's back, right? I'm like, yeah, that's a really, really good point. And um, it's never just that one thing. And and to your point, the behavior is really important to to teach your residents. So how do you then shift from, you know, the expense reduction, right? You're putting it on your, your resident into actually revenue and helping you grow your portfolio. How, how, how did you do that? Well, I think kind of like I mentioned before on our 36 unit property, how we got 500,000 of additional revenue in the cash out refinance. We implemented that across our portfolio and we got about $2.5 million of additional value across our portfolio and we're able to pull out another 500,000 as well to go out and buy more properties. So it's not just about billing your tenants. A lot of a lot of people think, oh, this is just about billing rubs and billing opportunities to my tenants. This is not about billing. It's about creating a mechanism to grow your portfolio, right? So it's every time that you can increase your NOI. So your utilities are typically like the third largest expense on the books. Yep. And um, NOI, for those listening who don't know what it is, net operating income. But go on. I just want to make sure. Net operating income. So when you when you take out all those expenses and you take this third largest expense and now you turn that into, instead of a expense, you have a utility reimbursement revenue. It's on the top line of your revenue. Yeah. That helps increase your visibility to the banks as well. That's saying, okay, you're increasing your revenues. What are you doing? You're decreasing your expenses. The overall impact on your net operating income that's how you value the property. It's your net operating income divided by your cap rate gives you a huge lift. So again, it's not just about billing. It's about creating a mechanism for growth. 
So whenever we look at new properties, because we just recently moved out to Florida and we're starting to transition some of our units from California, a less landlord-friendly state, to Florida, um, a much more landlord-friendly state, some of the things that we're looking at are, does this property today bill for utilities? And if they don't, that's an easy go to that next phase of, okay, what's the internal rate of return or what's that next phase of analysis that we do? Because we know we can get instant equity lift just off of transitioning that resident from, you know, all bills included to here's your, you know, your rent and then you have your utilities and your pest control and your, you know, pet rent or whatever you have. What can we add on to there? I've even seen people adding amenity fees now, Um, access to the pool, you get access. That's a much larger uh, community that you'll see that at, but that's going to start trickling down. And, uh, you know, there's no reason that as a small investor, we can't do the same things. We just need the right tool to do so. Yeah, I love that because, you know, I've been a multifamily investor for for many years. My husband and I bought our, our first one many moons ago, about 18 years ago, and the goal, right, is to increase income, increase your your NOI, and reduce and, and by reducing your expenses, so that you're increasing value. And we always talk about value add. People want a value add property, right? We overuse that word in our world of investing: value add, value add, value add. Yes, it is. You know, we talk about the interior of a building, and obviously renovating, and and the, and the exterior. It's also the mismanagement, right? It's property managers just mismanaging a property where you can literally bump up rents. $50 because, you know, they've been, they, they're living in 10 years ago. What I love what you're saying is, isn't it, isn't just a way to really curb behavior and really, you know, enroll residents to, to really watch their behavior and what they're using and how they're conserving. Number two, you're increasing, you're reducing your expenses. But number three, you're increasing your, your net operating income, which will allow you to refinance, to be more bankable, to, you know, to sell at a, at a higher, you know, amount what, if that if that's in your business plan. Yep. It's all about the business plan, but that ultimately is the goal with any multifamily property mm-hmm. is to increase your NOI, literally. Whether you have, we have a 300 unit in North Carolina, you know, we still have our, our, our a few small, small multis, same goal. So I, I love what you're saying because it's like a multi-pronged approach. It's not just how can I reduce one expense? It's actually how do I do both at the same time, which totally is the dream and the goal for every multifamily investor, right? So I love that. So 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 tell me a little bit about your inspiration then in starting, you know, starting Utility Ranger, right? Because that, that's literally you created a software and that would have helped you yeah. uh, back in the day. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration for that and tell me a little more about that. Well, I would say my husband and my sister are probably my inspiration on this because he was the one who said, let's go work for the company, you know, learn everything you can and get them to take us on. Right. Oh. And then, but it was through my sister who was like, oh, bring me on. And I was like, I can't. And let me create this Excel, you know, sheet for you to do the same thing. So, you know, I, I grew that company I was with from 500,000 to 20 million in five years and got wow. out to work for another company called um, Paylease at the time, which bought a utility billing company and needed a product market fit. Um, strategy. So I worked for them and then moved into fintech, which I hated because I didn't care if the, if the payment went through 30 seconds. Yeah. Like I felt like I was creating real value for people before, like real property value increase. Yeah. So during COVID, I was like, I can't work another single day on someone else's stuff. 
I'd been doing, you know, rubs billing on it, Excel sheet on our own properties for years at that point. And I said, I want to make this available for other small investors like me who don't have access to the same kind of technology. And all the companies out there were all service-based companies who rank the small guy. And so I said, you know what? Investors just like me, these small investors, they don't need these companies to treat them like a tier five client sure. because you're, you know, not enough units. Like they don't need these companies. They just need a tool to do it themselves. And so my husband and I said, okay, like I know you want to do this. So let's, you know, do this. So I left my fintech job and uh, went into software development with a great team. And then a year into it, my software team came back to me and said, it's going to be another 500,000. It's going to be another year before we can even launch. And I'm like, oh my God, I asked my husband for another half million dollars. He may die if I ask him for this. So, um, you know, I knew that no one had really reached this kind of long tail of the market, they call it because it's really fragmented. It's not like people are advertising on LinkedIn. Oh, I own 20 units or I own 50. Sure. They might work for some big company and own these units as their side gig. So how to reach all these people who have yeah. this as their side gig, right? And so I said, the only way to reach these people is you have to have a node, right? Who's the node who everyone knows, who these small investors all follow? And I realized that that node was Grant Cardone. That's who I was like, he is the node of all these people who are getting into multifamily investment. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to him. I pitched him my company and they bought half of my company on the spot. Wow. It was insane. I went into the whole 10X ecosystem. They finished my software for me. And he said, look, his whole audience is my target market. Because these small investors don't have anywhere to go. Right. They don't yeah. know so about it because they hear yeah. about it, but they just don't really understand the full breadth of what it could mean for them as far as yeah. a portfolio value increase. And so, uh, yeah, so we launched it earlier this year. We just got through our beta and did our full launch. We're targeting the market different. Most people come out as like a property management software company. But nobody wants to change property management software. That's like the most painful. <laughs> like these small rooms. Many of them don't even use property management. Yeah, yeah. Many of them use like Excel or For sure or stuff. Yeah. So that wasn't really my focus. I said I want to make something that's free for users. So we charge like a you know three dollars per unit per month, and we have a two dollar version. But then that admin fee actually goes on the resident bill, making it free for the owner. So, and then we allow them to actually, on our $3 version, we allow them to increase that fee to whatever the regulations are in their area, whether it's $5 or $6. So then they can actually make a few dollars per unit, which will help cover some of those other hard costs that you costs. can't typically cover, like yeah. property management software and all these other little nuances yeah. that you have to have that you can't ever get covered. So if you yeah. do it through a rubs bill add on to the admin fee, you can cover a lot of these other hard expenses that you have. So we launched it recently and we're out there trying to, you know, tell the world of like, look, use this as a value add strategy. That's really no money out of pocket. Like why not play the same game the big guys have been playing for years, years. and yeah. use this same way to lift up your portfolio, lift up your growth. Yeah. I love that. I, I think your story of perseverance and, you know, because we're, we're entrepreneurs, ultimately, we're investors, but we're entrepreneurs. And it's like, how do you create, how do you have a unique advantage and solve a problem 
you know, it, there's a lot of housing problems. Yeah. And that's what we need to be focused on as we grow our portfolios, not just solving, not just trying to buy the next rental or the next deal yeah. or the next multifamily. How are you solving problems? And, and it sounds like you have the same mindset. So yeah. uh, I have a few more, I have a few ending questions here. Before we get to that, uh, Tiffany, where can the ladies listening and men that follow us to our allies, where can they learn more about you? Um, well, I'm on Tiffany Mittal, so M-I-T-T-A-L, Tiffany Mittal on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Utility Ranger is on all the social media platforms, utilityranger.com is the website. I love it. So we got a few ending questions here. Number one, what is the most transformational book you have ever read? I would say it's Between 10X by Grant Cardone, which is probably one of my favorites. And then is it Find Your Why? know your why like understanding why you're doing things i think mm -hmm. it's so important like i feel like i'm doing this because we went through this we felt the pain sure yeah. i was like other people shouldn't feel the same kind of pain we should have the same advantage and i want to kind of democratize the prop tech space and give that same advantages to the small owners like myself and so i think knowing that of what your core is and what you're kind of called to do in your life I think is really important. I think that book really helped me figure that out. That's great. Love it. Uh, so what's the most powerful routine you do to live a financially free and balanced life? Whatever balance means to you. I probably go walking every day with my husband. Um, you know, we walk about five to seven miles every day and we use that time to really reconnect not only personally of what's going on. We have four kids, so it's, there's always a lot going on, um, especially with the new baby. But uh, it gives us time to say, okay, what's going on with these properties? Right now we're selling five homes, um, kind of student housing type mm -hmm. home, San Diego, and we're going to do a 1031 out here to Florida. So it helps us pay. What are we getting as far as offers on the home? It really helps us kind of connect and stay grounded um, as a team. And we both have our swim lanes of what we're doing. And I yeah. kind of dump out for daily exercises helps, helps us kind of yeah. get, get focused. Love that. So last question, which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? You know what? I, uh, I, one of my favorite quotes I actually heard from Megan Kelly, which I really like in Kelly. I heard her speak um, recently, mm. but one of my favorite quotes out of her book was, um, if you think of the most inspirational woman that you know, right? Like somebody who you would aspire to be and think of the difference between you and her. You know, the only difference is that you settled, pulled mm. for less. Wow, powerful. And it made me really think like, there's no reason I can't get to where I want to be. There's no cap that I, you know, can put on myself. And I think once you realize that as long as you try hard and go after your dreams and you keep going and persevering, like there's no reason you can't achieve them. The only reason you stop is because you stop yourself. Love it. I love that. It's a really good perspective, right? Um, thinking about like Brene Brown and Will Robbins, like two of my favorites, you know, and, and it is, it's like, you know, how do you differentiate? So I love that. Tiffany, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for yeah. supporting our community. I'm so excited about your, your, your tech. I think it's so needed being a multifamily investor and the women that are in our community and listening, like they need this. And I, I love what we talked about today. So appreciate your time. Appreciate you being yeah. part of our community. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com.
There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.